Yo, what up, everyone? In this pod, we got into our NFC Fantasy Impacts, did a little super flex rookie mock draft, and then finished up with a tease of who we like going into the 2021 draft. Subscribe, drop some reviews. Please hit us up on Twitter. Just let us know what you think and what you want to see in future pods. Without further ado, let's hit it. up what up welcome to episode two of the debbie dispensary podcast same as last time i'm your host doug and i got my co-host Corey with me Corey, what's happening my friend hey doug glad to be back man you know i thought the afc pod went really well uh looking forward to getting into the nfc guys with you today uh, maybe put together a little mock draft and uh take a look towards that 2021 class everybody keeps talking about yeah sounds good to me let's get after it so uh, first up, we got the NFC least. Uh, let's start with the Cowboys going with CD Lamb early in the first. Was that a surprise to you? I was. You know, I know we talked about it a little bit last time, but uh, I wasn't expecting them to go after a wide receiver when they just had Michael Gallup perform pretty well. They just signed Amari Cooper to a big extension. Um, but unfortunately for Gallup, I think it's more of a kill to his value eventually. I mean, I know it might be a year long battle, uh, this year, but I expect CD to eventually take over that wide receiver two spot. He was the number one wide receiver on my board at least. And, uh, it kind of sucks to see him go there. I was hoping he was going to end up somewhere as an alpha, you know, maybe San Fran, maybe with the Raiders, maybe somewhere where he could have been, uh, that, that force on the outside for them. But, uh, yeah, it kind of kills his value for me a little bit, uh, CD. I was, you know, I, I think Amari's not going anywhere anytime soon. He's a good player. I mean, if he can stay healthy, of course. But this was a, the second passing offense last year, I believe. I mean, maybe there's room for both of them. I'm, I mean, 190 targets gone from Tavon Austin, Jason Witten, Randall Cobb. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. But uh, it kind of hurt a little bit. I can't, I got to admit. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's definitely stock up for Dak, I think, going into the next year um i was high on gallup going into 2020 i actually was trying to acquire him in a few spots uh unsuccessfully unfortunately i imagine he'll be pretty cheap now but i agree that i think his stock uh is hit the hardest and it really i think might help uh zeke as well you know if you have a starting trio of cd amari cooper and michael gallup it's really tough to then focus on the run so i think zeke could have another really strong year you know, kind of as he always does. But um, yeah, I kind of agree. I, I do like CD a lot. Uh, he was my number one wide receiver. It Like you said, it's hard to see clear number one path, but talent rises to the top. So, you know, I'm still hopeful for CD. I think it's a good spot. I think it was actually a good draft pick for Dallas, um, taking the best player available at that point. So yeah, I, I didn't like to pick it first because of the, being a CD owner, but uh, after giving it some more thought, I, I do like him. Um, moving on to the Redskins. Um, what did you think of their draft? They drafted Antonio Gibson, um, AGG, who was kind of a, a darling in the analytics world for a while. Um, what do you think of that offense? Does it improve Haskins stock? And what does that do for, you know, guys and your boy AP? Well, we all know AP is going to just somehow rush for almost a thousand yards this year. Let's not kid ourselves. But, uh, you know, I, I think... Haskins stock has got to improve anyways. Uh, I mean, he's only going to get better from year one to year two. I think he was always kind of raw coming in. Um, But now you've got McLaurin on the outside and it's the chemistry has been growing for years with those guys anyways. Uh, Now you got AGG there uh, 
that, that guy, Steven Sims, I think his name was, was pretty good for them. Uh, even Kelvin Harmon started to flash a little bit. You know, I think, I think it's got to be a stock up for him. Um, the one guy I don't understand really how he fits in is uh, they took Antonio Gibson. I know he's been a darling of this uh, Twitter community. Everybody loves him. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you, how can you not? 6'3 guy, 228 pounds, 4.3940. I mean, this guy seems like a beast, but they're going to play him at running back. But the guy's only had 33 career rush attempts. I mean, I, I don't right. know how he's going to work. To me, he feels so raw. And then as a wide receiver, you watch him on tape. I don't think he'll even look that good as a wide receiver. He kind of had a little bit of a sloppy route. Uh, he let the ball get into his body a ton. I mean, I don't, I, I can't see them playing him at wide receiver. They, they're calling him Christian McCaffrey, but I think they might be a little upset if they try to play him as Christian McCaffrey, to be honest with you. Yeah, Rivera really threw some lighter fluid on that that hype um, with, or saying he could be similar to CMC. It's, I mean, it's just unfair to that guy. I mean, coming in, having to live up to the hype of, you know, of McCaffrey and what he's done the last couple of years under Rivera, you know, it's just not fair, but I do like Gibson. Like you said, given his size and his speed, if they use him at running back, I'm intrigued. I'll say that much. I'm intrigued. I think there's a lot of upside there. And until guys can show me he can stay healthy. Um, I think Gibson's worth taking a stab at. Uh, moving on to the giants. They didn't really do a whole lot in their draft in terms of fantasy assets, you know, they drafted two offensive linemen with their with two of their first three picks. Um, I think that actually improves the offense. I think that was a good move. I actually like their draft. And I think that's a stock up for, for pretty much everyone in that offense. What do you think? I mean, yeah, I don't even think they have that bad of an offense to begin with. I've always kind of been a fan of Sterling Shepard. You got Darius Slayton, who kind of broke out last year. And people forget that Golden Tate's even kind of good with them. I mean, it, it now you got Zeitler, Hernandez on the offense line. They drafted Andrew Thomas, big left tackle out of Georgia. They've got to improve from last year. I think they were the 23rd uh, best pass blocking unit by PFF. I mean, they're going to start to mold eventually. It, it Like you said, I think it's a stock up for everybody. I mean, it was kind of status quo for them. They filled it with meat and potatoes and the... Uh, they're going to attack. They're going to rush the ball down your throat with Barkley. And they got some nice weapons on the outside. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You know, most teams, it seems like the order they kind of build their team is they draft the offensive lineman first, then they get the quarterback, then they get the running back. You know, Gettleman's just kind of flipped that upside down, going Barkley, then getting Daniel Jones. And now he's finally addressing the offensive line. Um, so, yeah, I, I, th- I do like that offense. Um I picked up Slayton early on last year and he was pretty solid for me. He only saw double digit targets one time. So I'm kind of hoping that improves in his second year. I'm thinking with some more time with Daniel Jones, I think they should, should get a pretty good rapport. So, so I do like him. And like you said, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate, they're just solid wide receivers. Um, You kind of know what you're getting out of them. And, and it's, I think it's really going to help Daniel Jones going into his second year. All right, moving on to the Eagles. Jalen Rager, one of my favorites heading into the draft, getting drafted in the first round. What do you think of of what the Eagles have done? You know, I love the Rieger pick because, I mean, he was my wide receiver three coming in. And uh, I can't do anything but bump up to wide receiver two now. I mean, I'm sorry, Judy. You had to get bumped down because of the landing spot. But I love Rieger over there in, with the Eagles. I mean, they haven't had a 1,000-yard receiver since I, I had to look this up. I didn't even know. But Jeremy Macklin back in 2014, that was their last 1,000-yard receiver. Wow. I mean, yeah, they haven't had a guy stay healthy, I guess, even Wentz getting hurt, their quarterback play. But, uh, yeah, I love him landing there. I mean, this guy 
he's what 42 inch vert 4.46 i mean he looks crazy on tape crazy on tape and i, I mean people want to knock him down for the bad production and only 30 percent of his passes were even on target last year according to pff <laughs> i mean crazy he suffered from horrible quarterback play only three other wide receivers in the whole fbs had it worse last last year and he still put up pretty good production i mean they didn't even move him around the formation they didn't try to manufacture him touches he hardly fucking got production on screen passes i mean this guy is going to be a sneaky value here and i mean i didn't even know if he was going to go in the first round but he deserved it yeah, I agree. And I really like Miles Sanders hidden hidden into his second year. You know, coming down the stretch last year, he was getting at least, you know, five targets per game in the last six games or so, and also averaging around 16 rushing attempts. And with them not addressing the running back situation, I think it's his show. Obviously, Boston Scott will be there to kind of back him up. And the whole saying is, you know, Doug Peterson loves loves his uh, his committee running backs. But I think Miles Sanders could get the bulk of the carries, and I think he's going to be really, really productive this year. Yeah, I mean, to your credit there, I mean, Sanders had a 71% snap share after Howard was injured. So, I mean, if he's getting that, that is almost, in, in this day and age, that is 1A role. That is starting role. So, if, you, if you're getting above 70% snap share, that's what you want. And if he can continue to do that, I mean, Boston Scott was still performing at the end, so I still think he's a winner here too. But I love Miles Sanders going into this year as well. All right, let's go to the NFC North, the Packers draft. Um, I think it puzzled most people. <laughs> I know you. they took your boy, A.J. Dillon. Yeah, um, they sure did. <laughs> what were your thoughts on the rest of the draft? I mean, I liked A.J. Dillon. At least I liked him a lot more than everybody else did. It was still a surprising pick to me. Uh, it was hard to grasp what the Packers were really trying to go for in this draft. I mean, I didn't understand the Jordan Love pick. You still have Rodgers there who's playing at a pretty high level. And people want to point to the Favre and Rodgers situation where Rodgers sat behind Favre for a couple of years. But Favre was already talking about retirement at that time. I mean, it right. was a move they had to make. They had to prepare for life after Favre. But I can't picture this as anything else than a stock down for Rodgers because, I mean, he finished as QB11 last year in Matt LaFleur's run-heavy offense. He hadn't finished worse than QB7 since 2014. Now they bring in Jordan Love. Who is he going to be bringing down his neck? I mean, is this a sign to Rodgers? Maybe he's on his last legs in Green Bay. Yeah, the draft seems like a weird time to send a message to your star quarterback. But, it, yeah, I mean, I don't know how else to take the Jordan Love pick. I guess if it turns out in – you know, three years, maybe it's a, it looks like a good pick, but they're going to have to turn around even if he is really good after Rogers is gone and pay him right away. So they don't even get the benefit of having the, the, the rookie contract. So it was a puzzling move to say the least and one that I don't quite understand. And I thought it was a weird spot for AJ Dillon as well. Um, I like Aaron Jones a fair amount and I don't know what he's ever done wrong except produce in that offense. So it'll be interesting to see how that, that backfield shakes out come the fall. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was a puzzler. I, I, I was shocked at the time and I still don't really have the words to, <laughs> to know what to think about it. It's just, it's kind of nuts. Yeah. I mean, if you want to dig a little bit deeper, you can find some viable reasons for the AJ Dillon move. I mean, Jones and Jamal are both on expiring contracts in 2020. The Packers never seem to want to get behind Jones for whatever reason and give him the workload we think he deserves, whether it's because of the injuries, the smaller frame. So they go and spend second-round draft capital on a guy like A.J. Dillon, which is the highest draft capital they spent on a back since Eddie Lacy all the way back in 2013. So 
I can't really picture this as anything else but a stock down for Aaron Jones. Maybe he's somewhere else next year, but at the very least, he's got to be looking at a steeper timeshare than the 55% he had last year. All right, let's move on to your Minnesota Vikings, going with Justin Jefferson in the first round, a pick that I really like, but I want your thoughts on it. Yeah, I like the Jefferson pick for my Vikings. I mean, he's going to be a decent replacement for Diggs in this offense. Diggs isn't an easy guy to replace in any offense. He's probably one of the best route runners in the league. But if you're looking at Diggs' production over the past three years, he's only averaged 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. Is that out of the realm of possibility for Jefferson? Probably not, but, but here's what I think is going to happen. I think Thielen is going to get pushed to the outside. I mean, a lot of people want to call Thielen a slot receiver, but they don't realize that Thielen was playing 70% on the outside last year when he was healthy. So I think they're going to push Thielen to the outside. They're going to let Justin Jefferson go in the slot, play in that natural slot position that he was so good at in LSU. And it's a position that Kirk targeted almost over 150 times back in 2018. But I think the big question here is, are the Vikings going to throw the ball more? I mean, Kirk only attempted 404 passes last year compared to that 2018 where he attempted over 600 passes. So I think it could be a slow start for Jefferson, but I like this pick for the Vikings and I think he's going to do well here. Yeah, I really like the Jefferson pick with him in the slot. Um, like you said, it's kind of his natural position, and that's where he thrived last year with Burrow throwing and throwing it to him. So, you know, I really like him there. And I, like you said, kind of pushed Thielen to the outside. But, yeah, it might just be a run-heavy offense. But I think Justin Jefferson's impact could be efficiency. So he might not get a ton of targets, but I think they're going to be productive targets, I guess. Um, I think he can do a lot with them. I think we saw that last year, you know, throughout the season. All right, let's move on to the Bears. Um, they went with Cole Komet early. Um, you know, they have a lot of tight ends. I never know what to think with this offense, to be honest. Um, I, you know, they didn't draft a, a running back. So, you know, I think David Montgomery is kind of the winner here. Um, you know, they did draft uh, Mooney. And they just must love these small, fast guys. But really, I think it's ultimately going to be the Allen Robinson show. You know, he had 154 targets last year. And really, it's it's going to come down to the quality of the targets that he gets this year, I would assume, from Nick Foles. So I think he could have a monster year. But otherwise, I'm not terribly high on, on a lot of people. A lot of guys in this offense. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think Nick Foles is going to add a little more consistency to this offense. I think he's going to be a sturdier option than Trubisky, who's a little up and down week in, week out. But I think people kind of prop Nick Foles up in their mind that he's better than he actually is because of that Super Bowl run he had with the Eagles. I mean, they kind of forget the bad he's done throughout his career too. But I think he's going to be good for A-Rob at least, who the, all the guy does is perform with bad quarterback play. I wish we could just get the guy a good quarterback so maybe we could actually see what his potential is in a year. You know, we're, we're even doing an auction draft right now, and I was hoping to get the guy at a decent price. But, I mean, his price just kept going up and up. I think the secret's out on Allen Robinson. He's still a young player. And his dynasty value is still holding at a pretty good level. Um, I also think Monty's a little bit of a winner here after getting upwards of 250 touches last year. I mean, he wasn't terribly efficient at 3.7 yards per carry. But I think my biggest concern going forward is if the Bears are bad again this year, does Nagy stick around? And if they bring in a new coaching staff, is Monty going to be the guy for that coaching staff? I mean, especially if he's inefficient again. So, I mean, I like Monty this year. I like him as a player, but those are definitely some of my concerns going into 2021. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's take a look at the Detroit Lions. Obviously, they went with DeAndre Swift, which was a bit of a surprise for me. 
I know a lot of people don't love that landing spot with carry on Johnson being there, but I think it's going to be the swift show um, sooner rather than later, if not immediately, you know, carry on Johnson. I think they like him in Detroit. He just can't stay healthy. And if you can't stay on the field, you know, they're just going to go in a different direction. So they had five different running backs start a game for them last year, I think. Um, so I, I guess I understand the swift pick, even if it's not my favorite landing spot for him. Um, I really thought, you know, if, if I thought he would be the first running back off the board. So seeing CEH go to the, the chiefs kind of surprised me a little bit, but, but what are your thoughts on Swift's landing spot here with the lions? Yeah. I mean, Swift was my number one running back coming into the draft. I mean, his combination of speed, receiving, tackle breaking. I mean, to me, he was the perfect modern day NFL weapon. And and he still is, really. But I get the disappointment with the Lions landing spot. I mean, they haven't had a 1,000 yard rusher since, what, Reggie Bush all the way back in 2013. But I mean, if you look back at their stable of running backs from, from the past couple of years, yeah. it's LeGarrette Blunt, it's Dwayne Washington, it's Zach Zenner, it's Droik Bell, it's Theo Riddick. It's, it's not a bunch of world beaters. So I think the best thing here is having Daryl Bell back there who who rode Adrian Peterson back in Minnesota. He rode Marshawn Lynch. He rode Thomas Rawls back in Seattle. He rode Carson. So, I mean, you look at the beginning of last year with Carrion's touches. I mean, week one, he had 18 touches. Week two, 15. Week three, 21. Week four, 29. Week five, 15. I mean, the guy was averaging 20 yards or 20 touches a game. So if we can get that from Swift, I think we're going to be happy. And uh, it's not a terrible situation. If you look at Matthew Stafford, he loves passing to the running back. I mean, Theo Riddick never had a year under 50 targets. And he's, he's going to be running behind the PFF's 10th or 11th best offensive line. So I think this could be a sneaky good landing spot. And it could be a good value considering where he is going in rookie drafts. Yeah, I agree. I think this offense could be a little bit underrated. You know, in 2019, he threw 19 touchdowns in eight games under Bevel. Um and only 21 touchdowns in 16 games in 2018. So I think Bevel's kind of raising the level of this offense. And I think it can be a little bit more high scoring. And I think that's going to help, you know, Swift and even carry on if he has, you know, he's going to have a little bit of a role, but I think this is going to be Swift's show. Uh, moving on to the NFC South. Um, looking at the Panthers, they had an all defensive draft pretty much. Um, obviously they're happy with what they have. It's kind of a whole, you know, change in the coaching staff. Obviously, they got Teddy Bridgewater running the show now. Uh, what's your take on that offense right now? Yeah, I mean, there wasn't much to take away from uh, the Panthers draft. They pretty much stocked up their defense. Uh, but I do think this offense could be a little bit underrated. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be as bad as a lot of people want to think. Uh, I think he's going to be incredibly efficient for them. I mean, DJ Moore can get those yards after the catch. Uh, all you got to do is check down to CMC and he's going to create yards for you. Uh, I think he's going to be a nice sturdy presence for them. And uh, maybe we can even get a tight end uh, breakout here with Ian Thomas. Man, I would love that, you know, as an IU fan. And then especially as a you know, owner of, of Ian Thomas in a couple leagues, it'd be nice to finally see him break out. I think he's got a lot of potential. So I'm still kind of waiting on that Curtis Samuel <laughs> breakout. I'm not sure it's coming at all. This is, this is kind of my last year. If, if he doesn't break out in the new offense, you know, it might be time for me to cut bait with him, but you know, there's still a lot of, a lot of upside with this offense. There's a lot of weapons here. So I think it could be a good one. Let's take a look at the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They drafted Keyshawn Vaughn and Tyler Johnson a little bit later on. Does Keyshawn Vaughn kind of take that Rojo spot? Is he, 
is he the starter now? What do you think? I wasn't the hugest fan of Keyshawn Vaughn coming out of college. I mean, he struck me as a very average runner, you know, maybe good at everything, not great at anything. But I think what Tampa Bay was mostly looking for was somebody who was going to be able to catch the ball. And to Keyshawn Vaughn's credit, he had almost 40 receptions last year. He's had over 60 for his college career. And I think another part they're probably looking for is somebody to hold better ground in pass blocking. I mean, Rojo was terrible last year. His grade was in the 30s in the PFF pass blocking grade. So Keyshawn Vaughn seemed to hold his weight a little bit better out there. I mean, he got blown up a couple times. You're going to expect that from any college player. But he seemed to do pretty good out there. And I think he's going to be a plus in that category. But it, it's tough for me to predict how these guys are going to really split up the workload. I mean, if you look over the past two years, it almost seems like Rojo and Peyton have been splitting it almost right down the middle so maybe we can expect almost 150 touches from Vaughn at least but Arians is notoriously hard on rookies coming in so where do you think this backfield is headed yeah I'm kind of with you in the middle there I wasn't very high on Vaughn coming in to the draft but I'm high on the the landing spot so I think it's something I definitely have to take notice of and you know if if the Bucks like him if if he's going to be their guy, then he's going to be productive. I think, I think he could see a lot of targets in the passing game. You know, he could see a lot of rushes. I am not a Rojo fan, never have been. So, you know, someone else taking over that spot. I was really hoping Cam Akers would land there. That was kind of my hope, but here we are with Vaughn. Um, Yeah. I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of in the middle, but I do like the landing spot for him. So Tyler Johnson was kind of one of those. It seemed like, you know, a lot of the, fantasy guys analytics and film guys like Tyler Johnson but it became evident I think even towards the end of last year that the NFL just wasn't high on him you know not getting a an invite to the senior bowl and then skipping out I think it was on the shrine bowl and then you know didn't do anything at the combine it's just it, it was a puzzling lead up to the draft for Tyler Johnson but do you think he has any sleeper potential here it's a little tough to see where he's going to fit into the offense. You know, Godwin and Evans, are they going anywhere anytime soon? Maybe Evans is getting up there. I don't think Godwin is going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, you still got Justin Watson back there. You still got Scotty Miller that everybody kind of likes. These these other guys that the fantasy community has kind of been waiting to break out. So where does he fit in? Uh, that's the only thing I don't know. I mean, he was an Adelaide's dream for everybody. This guy, early breakout age, big dominator rating. I mean, he was productive last year too. 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns. But uh, I just question on where he can fit into this offense. I mean, the speed was kind of a question that was on everybody's mind. So it kind of sucked to see him not do anything at the call mine. Like, how fast is he? How quick is he? You know, there was the occasional times that I got Keenan Allen vibes from him. I think he's a hell of a route runner. I think he's kind of shifty in space. You know, I'd love to see him in the slot somewhere. But uh, will he get time with uh, that crowded field? I don't know. I really don't. I, uh, I wasn't huge on the landing spot. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all all shakes out. Hopefully we get some resemblance of, you know, going into the summer and into the preseason, what what's going to happen with that, that wide receiver core. Obviously, like you said, Evans and Godwin are the guys there. Um, obviously bringing in Gronk, there's, there's not probably going to be many targets to go around. But, yeah, we'll see maybe, maybe in a couple years. But, you know, it seemed like – a lot of the NFL wasn't high on Harmon either. He got drafted later than I think both you and I thought he would. We we both kind of liked him going into last year, and he ended up seeing seeing some targets down the stretch. Granted, that was a much thinner uh, wide receiver core there in Washington, but 
you know, maybe there's still some, some glimmer of hope. I don't know. At this point, I'm not expecting anything out of Tyler Johnson and anything I do get is just kind of a bonus. Uh, looking forward to the saints. Um, not much there, but they drafted Troutman. I wasn't very high on tight ends going into the draft, but I did like Troutman a little bit. Uh, he's got good size, was productive at Dayton. I don't know that he sees much of a role initially in this offense. Um, but they did add, add Manny Sanders. Do you have any strong opinions on this offense? Uh, not really. I mean, Troutman doesn't really move the needle much for me. Uh, I'm still expecting a very similar offense, very potent offense. But uh, I think they're kind of just looking for that weapon for Breeze, the, the guy to take over af- for Cook after he leaves. Uh, he's getting up there in age. Uh, Cook almost got 70 targets last year. So they're trying to maintain that weapon for him. Uh, they've kind of been looking for that guy ever since Jimmy Graham left. But uh I don't expect much from Troutman this year. I don't think he's going to make much of an impact. You, you know, fantasy tight ends, especially rookies coming in, they seem to take a couple of years to uh, make an impact. But maybe this guy could be the weapon for Breeze down the line, and he could be the next tight end. He's not a horrible stash, and he was the number one tight end on a lot of boards coming into this year. Yeah, what do you think about uh, Sanders going there? Do you think he eats much into Thomas's targets, or how do you think that plays out? Uh, I think Sanders is going to be a good presence for Thomas. Uh, I don't know how much it's going to, I don't know how much he's going to end up getting. I think he's going to be better for the saints than he's going to be for fantasy. Uh, Cause uh, it's just going to take some pressure off of Michael Thomas. Sanders is finally going to give breeze someone he, he can rely on someone. He can actually throw the ball. Someone's going to catch a damn ball, not tend again, dropping it halfway down the field. Or I don't know what happened to Traquan Smith either, but uh, they just haven't been able to find this second guy to compliment Michael Thomas and compliment Kamara. But uh, Sanders is finally going to give them that presence. And uh, I think he's going to be better for NFL production than he is going to be for fantasy production. Yeah, I mean, that's good, as, especially as an, an owner of Thomas in a, in a couple leagues. It's, it's good to know that. Um, you know, I'm still really high on Thomas going into next year. The guy's just, he just produces. It's, you know, pretty consistent. I love the guy. All right, moving on to the Atlanta Falcons again. Not much change with this offense in the draft as they attack defense. Um, obviously, they added Gurley in the offseason. Do you have any strong takes on what Gurley's going to do next year? You know, what do you think of this wide receiver core going into next year? Um, give me your thoughts. Yeah, I don't mind Gurley in this offense. I don't actually mind him as a fantasy pick this year. Uh, he's probably going to be productive there. The one-year deal doesn't add much uh, hope for the future with him, though. I mean, the, you can already tell they're kind of worried about the knee. They're kind of worried about any kind of thing with this guy. But I think he could be productive there. I mean, their their offense wasn't that great for rushing last year. I mean, they had a 24th-ranked O-line, according to PFF. But uh, he can catch the ball. Yeah, he's still good in limited time. I mean, he didn't miss any time last year. So I, I think he's going to be a good win now piece, especially if you're a, a team that just needs another depth piece. He, people are selling him for almost nothing nowadays. So I'm surprised they didn't take a guy that could possibly be the next guy. I, I was even hoping maybe that the Atlantic and the Georgia connection was that Swift was going to land there, maybe be the successor to Gurley after he leaves next year. You know, I mean, Edo yeah. Smith and Brian Hill don't add too much uh, – inspiration to this group uh but uh i mean uh, as far as the wide receivers go too i mean it's good news for calvin ridley i mean julio jones is still going to be the beast he is who's going to be that third guy though i mean russell gage was having a decent end half of the year there they brought in treadwell are they trying to do their whole first round pick offense there where are they going to put treadwell in the slot (laughs) just so they can say that but uh 
yeah, Hurst was a nice addition too. I think Hurst is going to get a lot of attention there because I really do think that um, Hooper was a product of of that offense being so pass heavy. And Hurst is is a first round tight end. He's got a little bit of speed to him. I think he's going to be the beneficiary and a nice late round pick. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm much higher on Hurst than I am even Hooper going into this year and strictly because of the spot that they're in. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right. You know, these wide receivers, Julio's going to do his thing. Ridley, you know, is kind of becoming a stud. So I really like him. Gurley, I don't know what to think. I think he's going to be pretty good, like you said, but they didn't really address the offensive line. So that does concern me a little bit um, going into next year. Let's move on to the NFC West. Um, Looking at the Seahawks. You know, they've got a lot of injuries at the running back position. They did draft DJ Dallas. Um, They picked up a couple of older guys in Greg Olson and Philip Dorsett. What's your take on this offense? Does DJ become a thing? I know I keep seeing his name on Twitter. It seems like a lot lately. Are you a believer in DJ? Uh, I would probably say that I'm not the hugest believer in DJ. You know, I, I have trouble seeing how he fits, I guess, you know, uh, DJ never had over 115 carries in any year in college. He never had over 680 yards. He, he tested pretty averagely. I mean, this guy just is like the definition of like, meh. Like, he just, you know, he doesn't inspire any confidence. I don't know how he fits in. I think Chris Carson here is probably the winner. Um, but again, he's got a contract expiring, expiring at the end of this year. So is that DJ's job going forward? But then we still got Penny back there, who's still going to be around for another year after that. And I don't know if they're ready to give up on Penny either. So I'm having trouble seeing where DJ fits in to this offense. Uh, right now, I'm only viewing him as a depth piece. I'm not actively trying to target DJ anywhere. But uh, yeah, I think Chris Carson's probably the big winner here. It was nice to see they didn't go and get anybody to really challenge him, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it really comes down to whether or not Chris Carson and and Rashad Penny are, are healthy going into next year. I think, I think the Carson, at least, is supposed to be. I'm not sure on Penny, but, you know, it's kind of funny that DJ finds himself potentially behind Travis Homer again <laughs> after their after their time in Miami. So, you know, he couldn't couldn't really beat him out then. It's it's hard for me to see him doing it in Seattle behind Homer, who's already had, been there for a year and had some more experience with the offense. So, yeah, I just don't know what to think. I don't think I'm that high on him. It's not somebody I'm really going to target. Maybe you know, keep an eye on him in free agency or something going into the season, but definitely not somebody I'm, I'm probably targeting unless it's a really deep, deep draft. Um, any hope for Greg Olson in that offense? Uh, yeah, I think Greg Olson could possibly be a nice piece for this offense. Is he going to be Carolina Greg Olson? No, probably not. I mean, I'm a pretty big fan of Disley too, and I think they are too, but it's good to get some insurance for the guy. He's suffering injury after injury here. Who knows how much longer this guy is going to last. And Olson's been a, pretty sturdy presence he's had his injury problems in the past too maybe the two of them can form at least one good tight end for the Seahawks going forward yeah I think it's better for Russell Wilson than it is for for any fantasy tight end position there all right let's move on to Arizona um you know they they went with Eno Benjamin late I don't know if he really moves the needle for me I guess Drake ends up the big winner I wasn't that high on him to begin with but you know, when they don't really do much um, to address the situation, I think Drake is the, is kind of a winner. Um, obviously, Kyler is a big winner here with getting Hopkins in the offseason. That was kind of their biggest move going into the draft. So 
I think this offense is going to be pretty explosive. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I like Drake this year. Uh, he's not somebody that I was really targeting in the offseason. He wasn't somebody that I even thought that the Cardinals were fully behind. But, I mean, they gave him the tender. He signed it. He's getting paid a pretty big uh, salary to be there. Uh, they only took Eno late. I mean, it, is Eno dead in the water here? I don't know how he's going to really come up from the from anything here. Even Edmonds is someone I really like and someone that I thought could be even pushing Drake for some time or be the guy if Drake was going to move on. But uh, I think the biggest issue here is the O-line that I'm seeing. I mean, the one pick that I loved that they got was Josh Jones there in round three. Some people were even saying he could have been an end of the round one, uh, early round two type guy. So, I mean, they need to protect Murray back there. He was the most sack quarterback last year. But if they can just protect that guy, like you said, this can be an explosive offense now. I mean, you still got Larry there who's sturdy Larry, who's reliable Larry. He's going to be perfect for this offense. And you got Hopkins on the outside. Maybe Kirk's going to be on the other side. And you got these speedy, fast guys with Drake and Edmonds in the back field so i mean it, i think this offense could be explosive but a lot is going to rely on that offensive line yeah i agree 100 percent. all right what about the 49ers going with uh brandon ayuk early on you know i was concerned heading into the draft with all the talk about them drafting wide receiver and what that might do for debo's value to me most hurt is the biggest winner in this whole in this whole offense with Rita getting shipped out during the draft and everything. What do you think happens with the wide receiver core here? You know, do you see anyone kind of taking the lead? Well, I know me and you were big Debo guys last year. I mean, I loved him as a prospect. I thought he fit this offense perfectly. But what do they go and do? They go and get Ayuk, who's essentially one same type of receiver as Debo. You know, he's, he's a yak guy. He's, he's maybe a little bit different, but they do kind of seem redundant to each other a little bit. But, uh, I mean, Shani has a type of wide receiver that he likes to go get. He went and got Ayuk. He's going to pair them with Debo. The problem is, who are you going to play each week? Who's going to be the guy that's going to blow up? Because this offense is almost becoming Patriot-like in that sense, where they have a different game plan every week. So uh, good luck trying to pick which guy is going to be the guy to play. I mean, it hurts Debo a little bit in my sense. I was hoping it was going to be somebody more complimentary because then Debo was for sure going to get those sweeps, those rushing yards, those, those yak plays underneath. I mean, but now could it be Ayuk? Are they going to get him the ball underneath now? Are they get So it hurts Debo in that sense, I think. And uh, it's going to be tough to pick which one's the guy to play each week. Yeah, I agree. You know, Kittle only saw – or I think he was the only one that saw over a hundred targets in that offense last year. So to me, it's just, it's, I think it's going to be a good productive offense. I just don't know how good it's going to be for fantasy. Like you said, it's, you know, are you going to be having a guess each week who who's getting the ball? And that's kind of why I like most hurt the most, because we know that Shanahan's going to run the ball. Um, obviously, you know, I think Coleman's back and, they they restructured McKinnon's contract, I believe. And I know you've always been a big McKinnon fan. So do you think he kind of like finds a role this year? I would like to believe that, you know, I mean, I, I gave up unfortunately a while ago in dynasty. I was holding this guy forever, but uh, yeah, they seem to have some type of role designed for him because they keep keeping him around. They restructured him. They, they have some type of idea for this guy and, Something tells me he's going to be more productive than a lot of us think. But like you said, Mostert's the big winner here. I mean, he's he was awesome for that offense. I mean, down the stretch over the last five weeks, he was averaging 18 PPR points per game. I mean, this guy was perfect for that offense. 
Yeah, I mean, even some 49er fans were doubting him early on in the season. So it was nice to see him come through down the stretch for him. All right, moving on to the Rams. Obviously, they got Cam Akers, Van Jefferson a little bit later. You know, it's kind of becoming a, a weird crowded backfield with Akers and Henderson and Malcolm Brown, who got the majority of the carries last year. And then, obviously, with the wide receivers. Now you got you got Van Jefferson to the Cooper Cup and – Josh Reynolds, Robert Woods. What do you think this offense looks like going into 2020? Yeah, you know, I think the running back room is going to be a little bit difficult to figure out. I mean, I know a lot of people want to say that Akers is going to be the guy there, but even you look at last year when everybody wanted Daryl Henderson to be the guy and they're playing Malcolm Brown over him in most situations. But, I mean, Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown weren't the most efficient running back, so there's room for Akers to be good here. Uh, the one positive is Akers is coming from a horrible line at Florida State, so when he's coming to the NFL and playing behind the 31st-ranked overall line, according to PFF with the Rams, he's not going to be seeing much of a difference. But I think it did hurt his vision when watching him in college. I mean, he's a little bit of a dancer back there, but it's because the minute he got the ball, he had to create something. He had to add lib on demand. I mean, he didn't get to fall to play the way it was designed a lot of the times, and I do think it kind of hurt his, his vision, but uh, this might be one of the rare cases when he comes to the NFL, and he sees the holes increase rather than get smaller. But uh, looking at the wide receivers, I mean, if you look past 2020, in 2021, the only receivers under contract are Robert Woods. I mean, Randall's contract is up. Cup's contract is up. So is Van Jefferson the pick to take over the Cup role? I mean, he's a hell of a route runner. He'd probably excel in that slot role. It's a very high passing offense I think Jared Goff threw the most passes last year so Van Jefferson's definitely someone I'm keeping an eye on and possibly a later bench stash on your roster yeah definitely I thought I thought Van Jefferson the way he he runs his routes you know obviously his, his dad's a wide receivers coach in the NFL I think with the Jets um, so he's been around the NFL for a long time and so I think I think he's got some kind of sleeper uh, tendencies here you know not I was kind of hoping he would have that McLaurin effect, but I don't, I think it's too crowded in that wide receiver room right now out in LA, but yeah, I, I'm definitely, like you said, keeping my eye on, eye on him as well. All right. I think that about wraps it up for our NFC and AFC coverage that we finished last week. So um, you want to jump into like a, like a two round super flex mock draft? Yeah, let's quick fire one off here. I mean, I think it'll be a good way to show people where we're sitting on these guys. And uh, what do you want to do? 12 teams? 10 teams? Let's assume 12 teams, and I'll let you kick us off with the number one pick. Okay, well, first pick. I mean, if you aren't making this pick, you might be playing Superflex Dynasty wrong. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick the new Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, the new quarterback of the future, franchise <laughs> quarterback, Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, that one's pretty obvious, I think. Um, I would have been surprised had you gone with Tua. But that's where I'm going to go. I'll go with Tua at the, the second spot. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor at 103. I mean, how could I not? That landing spot's perfect. Yeah, I love that one with the, the Colts offensive line. I think he could be an absolute stud. Um, I'm a little surprised you didn't go with, with Edwards Alaire, but – I get it. You're a Damian Williams fan, so maybe you're hoping he's he's not going to take over quite yet. But uh, that's where I'm going with my next pick. Doug, I'm going to kill you, man. I'm not a Damian Williams fan, man. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, I, I love the CEH pick, too. He fits that offense perfectly. But I'm trying to stick to 
where I was before the draft. And to me, Jonathan Taylor was above there. CEH was pretty down there. So for him to come up even to RB2 for me is a pretty big climb for me. But uh, at 105, I'm going to go for another big climber for me. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, man, I love that landing spot in Baltimore. Obviously, Ingram there, but I think Dobbins takes over that that role, and he's going to be there for a few years, and that's such a run-heavy offense, man. I like that pick. Um, at 1.06, I will go with C.D. Lamb. Yeah, that's a good spot for C.D. Lamb. I mean, he can't fall too far with the talent he has. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like that landing spot, but 1.6 feels like a good spot for him. Uh, but with 1.07, I'm going to go with my previous RB1 in this class. Uh, I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. That we're now looking at him as the, the fourth running back off the board in this in this mock. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the right spot for him. With uh, 1.08, I will go with Cam Akers and hope that he can kind of become the guy out in LA. That's a nice pick. And you know, you've kind of been on the Acres train from, I don't even know, before his freshman season even, coming out of high school. You've been big on Acres, yeah. so, I mean, yeah, you got to be happy to see him at least getting that shot here in the NFL now. Man, that's the weird thing about Debbie. It's now, it's taken this long to finally get him in the NFL and finally maybe get some production out of him. Okay, with the uh, 1.09, I'm going to go with my wide receiver two in this class now, Jalen Rieger. Yeah, man, I love I love Rager. He's he's going to be, I think, such a stud in in Philly. Um, I think we're kind of switching our roles here because you know I know you've always liked Rager. I've liked him for a long, long time, and now I'm going to have to take your guy out in Minnesota. I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson at the tenth spot. Yeah, and I mean, we didn't even know if this guy was going to test as well as he did, and or even be a first round pick, but. He jumped up there with that testing, which was super surprising, and I'm happy to see him land in Minnesota. But uh, I'm going to take the guy who's kind of fallen down a little bit because of that uh, landing spot, but I'm going to take Jerry Judy at 111. Yeah, I mean, that's a good pick, especially at this point. You know, a lot of people had him as wide receiver one. Here he is going in the 11th spot. Um, You know, it'll be interesting to see how that that shakes out with Cortland Sutton. I still like Sutton a little bit better going into this year, but maybe Judy takes over that wide receiver one spot. Um, in the near future with the 12th pick, I might shock you with this one. I am going to go with Michael Pittman. Oh man. You know, I get the pick though. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, T.Y. Hilton is getting up there in age. He's suffering through injuries now. I mean, Paris Campbell doesn't really strike you as that outside guy. You know, he's a gadget guy and it's a good role for him. It's a good landing spot for Pittman. I think I mentioned on the last pod um, about the cold social media and how they kind of give you a look into the draft process with Ballard and with Reich and they just how glowingly they speak about Michael Pittman. It was kind of, it kind of sold me on him a little bit more, kind of raised him up for me. So um, go ahead with the, the first pick in the second round. This guy probably fell a little too far in this mock draft for us, but uh, it's hard to really think you need a quarterback when you're drafting with two guys. I mean, we, we both feel like we got one already, but uh, Justin Herbert's not going to fall any farther here than the 2.1. Yeah, he was definitely going to be my my pick there. Um, like you said, probably fell a little bit too far, but um, you know, I wasn't as high on him coming into the process, the draft. But you know, he's in a pretty good spot. So, and he's you know destined to be you know a starting quarterback. So, in a super flex league, that's that's gold. Um, with the second pick, I am going to go with Keyshawn Vaughn strictly because of the landing spot. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you have to feel happy if you had Vaughn on your Devi team and he landed there because people were having questions about where this guy was going to go, if he was even going to hold any value after the draft. But you have to be happy. At 2.2, that's great for to see Vaughn there. And I've even seen some first-round picks with him in it. So, But anyways, at the 2.03, I'm going to take the first wide receiver off the board in the NFL draft with Henry Ruggs. Yeah, kind of crazy that he's fallen to this point. Um yeah, it's just, it, to me, it's, it's a matter of how many targets he's going to get. Um, I still like him a lot, but it's just, um, kind of a wait and see for me with the, uh, the fourth pick, I am going to go with, uh, Brandon Ayuk in hopes that he becomes the number one wide receiver in San Francisco. Um, I, I do like his playmaking ability, his yards after the catch, um, you know, I think he has a lot of potential, but, you know, we'll see how that offense shakes out. All right. And I'm going to go with the number one, or at least presume number one wide receiver for the New York Jets and Denzel Mims at 2.05. I mean, this guy's got all the, all the tools in the tool shed. Let's just hope that Gase can figure out a way to unlock him. Yeah, that's definitely the big question mark there. Uh, but I do like Mims' talent for sure. With the sixth pick in the second round, I'm going to go with AJ Green's replacement, eventual replacement, T. Higgins. Yeah, and I love the value there. I mean, it might be you might be waiting a while to see T. T. Higgins really splash for you or splash on your roster, but he is probably the eventual AJ Green replacement and a good one at that. But uh, at two oh seven, I'm going to go with the big bruising back that the Packers love so much, AJ Dillon. Yeah, I mean it's your guy, and if he, you know, like you said earlier, if he becomes the guy, if he's the bruiser, when they just want to play some smash mouth football, you know, he could be really solid. Um, you know, I think he's he's more nimble for a big back, and you know, I I, I think he's got a lot of talent, so that could be a very good pick there. With the eighth pick in the second round, I'm going to go with Brian Edwards, who I feel will be the eventual wide receiver one in Las Vegas. Yeah, I like that pick. I mean, me and you talked about it last pod. He's a guy that we've liked through this process, and uh, you have to be happy to see him getting a shot in the NFL now. But uh, at 2.9 here, I'm going to go ahead and take the Jags' new weapon, their new gadget guy, uh, LaVisca Chenault. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, you know, there's, I think, a lot of a lot of room for him to make his his, his mark on that, that team. The wide receiving core outside of Shark doesn't really uh, – do much for me. I think Sharks may be the number one guy, and then Chenault's going to take over a lot of the rest of the target. So I, I like that pick if he can stay healthy for sure. With the 10th pick in the second round, I will take Jordan Love in hopes that they just kind of force Aaron Rodgers out of town or trade him or do something, and that Jordan Love's first-round draft capital kind of pays off and, and you know, he, he performs out in Green Bay. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? The guy's got first-round draft capital. I mean, the Packers clearly see something in this guy, and uh, maybe it was the message to Rodgers that he could be on his last legs in Green Bay. So that's a great pick at 210. But uh, at 209, I'm going to go ahead and take the guy with all the metrics, the one that PFF loves, had as the number one running back for a long time, the guy that uh, Bean's already talking pretty highly about in uh, Utah's running back, Zach Moss. Yeah, he's the younger Frank Gore. I mean, if he's taken over that role out in Buffalo – you know, he could see a lot of touchdowns. Um, you know, I, I haven't been terribly high on Singletary, so I think that's a good pick there. And with the 12th pick in the second round, I'm going to 
take uh, the new CMC, Antonio Gibson. Now, I'm not saying he's going to live up to that hype, but if there's that kind of upside, if they intend to use him in any similar way, uh, I think it's worth a shot here. No, and that's a great pick. I mean, at, at 212, the chances of you picking up someone that's going to be even make an impact on your fantasy team are pretty little. But you take a guy with a potential upside like that, the guy who runs the 4'3 at 228 pounds, 6'3. I mean, that's all the talent in the world. So let's see what the, the Redskins can do with them. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so with that done, I think it's time we kind of maybe take an early look at the, the 2021 draft. I think we should just kind of go quick fire here. So give me your, your top three quarterbacks going into next year. Uh, my first quarterback in the 2021 class is going to be Justin Fields at OSU. Uh, I know some people want to put Lawrence here, and that's totally fine. They're super close. I mean, you're going to win either way with either one of these guys. But I just love the versatility of Justin Fields. I love what he does to a run game. I love his rushing ability. I think that's going to be big for fantasy points. And uh, my quarterback, too, obviously, is uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's a great quarterback prospect, one of the best we've seen in a long time. Uh, I think he was a little inconsistent to start the year last year, but he definitely got into form by the end of the year, and you're splitting hairs between these these uh, these two guys, really. And uh, My third quarterback here is going to be uh, the new transfer to UGA and Jamie Newman. Um, I did a deep dive on this guy, and uh, he actually graded out pretty well in a lot of metrics. Uh, tight window throws, deep ball accuracy, catchable balls. I mean... He was actually a pretty good weapon out there, and I think his addition to UGA could be uh, finally what they need to get over the hump in the future. Why don't you go ahead and hit me with yours? All right. Uh, let's go with my top three. I'm flipped, so I have Lawrence first. Um, yeah, he was a little inconsistent last year, especially early on, but I really liked what I saw with him the rest of the year, and he actually, to me, showing the, the mobility. I mean, I think he ran for over 500 yards, which kind of surprised me. I think he showed um, showed some of his athleticism when the play broke down. So I really like him. He he was my you know, number one quarterback going into last year. He's still number one for me. Um, Fields is a close second to me. Those those are the top two. They are easily tier one, and I don't think there's there's anyone particularly close for me after that. I do like Jamie Newman. You wrote a great article on him for Breakout Finder. Um, it was close for me. You know, the, the new hot name is Trey Lance out there from North Dakota State. The guy threw, what, 28 touchdowns, no interceptions last year, ran for 1,100 yards. He's he's definitely an interesting guy if he comes out next year from North Dakota State where, you know, we had, what, Carson Wentz come out of there, Easton Stick came out last year. Um, he's an interesting guy. What do you think about him quickly? Yeah, he's been a hot name, and he's was kind of flying under the radar for a while there, but Twitter seemed to have ca caught on to uh, the impressive numbers he put up. Incredibly efficient. I mean, zero interceptions. That's impressive no matter where you're doing it. Uh, so Lance is definitely somebody that I got my eye on, someone who could definitely be in the top three conversation, top five conversation going into 2021. Yeah, agreed. Moving on to running backs real quick. Give me your top three. Top three running backs. I mean, this is probably going to be the same for everybody, probably the same for you. But uh, it's going to be Etienne first. Uh, I'm going to go with Najee Harris second. And uh, Chuba Hubbard is rounding out uh, my list at number three for me. What about you? Well, first of all, I'm shocked that, that Hubbard, a fellow Canadian, falls to number three on your list. Um, 
but yeah, I'm going to go with ETN, uh, Hubbard, and then Najee's third for me. Uh, it was close. I wanted to try and fit, uh, Max in there. Um, but I just couldn't bump Najee after what I saw from him last year. I was really impressed. Yeah. Najee was a big winner for me last year too. I mean, if we were, if you were asking me last year, Hubbard would have been there at number two over Najee, but what he put together last year, he just looked like a complete back. Um, and Hubbard, you know, he's doing it at Oklahoma state, uh, have a little bit of worries, but, uh, he's still number three for me. He's not very far behind. Um, but uh, I did want to give a special mention to uh, my guy, Keontae Ingram, who I think is probably going to be somebody who could potentially rise in this 2021 class. Uh, the running backs after the top three are a big question mark. I mean, we're looking at guys like Zamir. We're looking at guys like Max Borgi. We're looking at guys like Kylan Hill, whoever. But uh, I think Keontae out of Texas got a big chance to be in the top five conversation coming in 2021. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And I, I kind of feel the same way after the top three. I'm kind of kind of iffy. Borgie's definitely going to have a role somewhere, um, you know, especially if a if a creative team drafts him. One guy, you know, not I, I am higher on Keontae as well. But, you know, I think Journey Brown could kind of have could kind of rise in the ranks next year. Um, he, he really came on strong at the end of last year, kind of kind of took that that running backs, that starting running back spot for Penn state over. Um, I know some people are high on, on Noah Kane, but um, yeah, I think journey Brown's that, that kind of special mention for me that that could rise really high next year. Moving on to wide receivers. I'll be shocked if you don't have chase number one, but go ahead and give me your top three. Well, chase is definitely number one. That's locked in. That's throw away the key. That's, that's done for it. I mean, chase is definitely the number one. He, uh, he was damn impressive last year, and uh, we were, I was even lucky enough to be on the chase train a little bit early last year. Got him in late in a couple of drafts and flipped him even to you. You got I got Julio out of you. He kind of bamboozled me on that one because I didn't win. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, enjoy Chase. He's going to be good for you. Uh, my number two, though, might be a little bit of a shock to some people, but I'm going with Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, I've loved this guy ever since I saw his high school tape. He's, uh, he's definitely what the NFL is looking for nowadays. He's crisp in his routes. He's beyond a lot of what these other guys are uh, in in his route running, in his release off the line, his hands. He's a hands catcher. And uh, I really think that he's the closest thing to even Odell Beckham that I've seen in college. Let's not, I'm not calling him Odell Beckham. Let's hold on. Let's back up there. But I'm on <laughs> the closest thing that I've seen out of a college wide receiver to somebody like Odell Beckham. And uh, rounding out my top three, I'm going to go with Rondale Moore. I know some people have forgotten about him, but uh, you can't put away what he's done like i mean he's super fast he's strong for that little body the size is going to be a concern but nfl is all about speed nowadays people are going to love to get their hands on this guy and just throw him out there and get the ball in his hands yeah i agree and go back to amon ra real quick you know it's funny i think you know a couple years ago in our devy drafts when you drafted him i think i maybe drafted justin shorter right before him but i was close on those two and i think they were both maybe the one and two wide receivers coming out of high school but Man, I wish I could have that decision back on with shorter because that's uh, so far not panning out. But, you know, maybe there's still hope there in Florida. Yeah, maybe he can make a name for himself over there in Florida. Who knows? The dream is not dead just yet. Not yet. Not yet. There's still a little glimmer of hope. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Chase as well as my number one wide receiver. I think that's pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, Tamari and Terry is my number two, though. And I know that might surprise some people, but 
I absolutely love this kid. Uh, I think he's got the size, the speed, the strength. He's got good hands. And what he's produced in that that Florida State offense, which has been pretty subpar the last couple of years, uh, it's been impressive. So I, I'm kind of excited to see what he does this year. Um, trying to kind of as the as his finale at, at Florida State. Um, and then I'm going with with Rondell Moore as well as my wide receiver three. You know, like you said, he's strong for that size. Uh, he doesn't play like he's that size. Um, you know, and you just watch some of some of the things he does out there. It's just it's amazing. Nobody, not many people can do do what he does. So, you know, obviously, we'll, there's a lot of wide receivers that I like more so than than running backs, and I think we'll we can get into that on the next pod. Um, but I do want to touch on tight ends as well. Um, I'm imagine I could guess your top three, but go ahead and give it to me. Yeah, this is pretty chalk. This is pretty simple. I'm not going to lie. I'm not somebody who goes super deep on tight ends. I look at the top guys, the guys that catch my attention, but it's a pretty standard top three here. It's, it's Pitts, it's Brevin Jordan and it's Pat Fryermouth. I mean, it's those three guys in that order. And, uh, I mean, Pitts is just an athletic freak and at that size, I mean, he, he's got round one written all over him. At least I think so. Uh, Brevin Jordan's another guy that, uh, he uh, caught me off guard on tape with some of his blocking. He actually looked like a pretty damn good blocker out there, which I was surprised. I thought he was more of the Evan Ingram type. You know, he's a 6'3". He's a little bit smaller in the weight, I think, and a uh, great receiving threat. And uh, Pat Firemouth's just going to be that solid tight end, I think. At, uh, I mean, at Penn State, he's been that reliable option for them. He's a, he's a good blocker. Um, but, yeah, why don't you give me your take on your tight ends? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's my top three. Um I could see Pitts and Jordan kind of kind of flipping at any point during the season for me. Fryermuth, you know, he is consistent, and maybe the NFL is going to love him, love him a lot. I I probably love Pitts the most out of that group, though. I think he has the most upside, especially as a you know receiving tight end that would be good for fantasy. So, um, you know, similar to you, I don't I don't dig too deep in tight ends because a lot of times it takes you know what three three years or so, even once they're in the NFL to really start producing. So I usually try and find those guys a little bit later on after people have given up on them. Um, but I think that's just about wrapping it up for us. Any, any last words? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to getting into that 2021 draft class with you next year. Talk a little Debbie. I mean, that's what we set out to do at this podcast and uh, that's where our passion comes from. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that. Uh, glad to wrap up these draft, uh, these post draft, reactions and uh get moving forward yeah i'm definitely really excited to uh dig more into the into Devi on the next podcast like you said it's definitely by far our biggest passion that's the whole reason we're, we started this pod but we did want to kind of touch on on the nfl draft as well and, and those fantasy impacts um you know we want to provide the Devi content you guys are looking for so hit us up on twitter at DGen Indie and at FF underscore guitarist. And please subscribe and give us feedback. Until next time, peace.